Elfinworks Productions presents Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Last time on Ribbons and Bows, we took violin playing all the way up to 1950. And now, women violinists who hailed from other countries in the late 19th and early 20th century. Because no history of women violinists in this period would be complete without at least a nod to the international women on the scene. In this program, we will meet five superlative Russians, Natalie Boschko, Cecilia Hansen, Margaret Pardee, Leah Lubschultz, and Frances Berkova. Three greats from Great Britain, Isolde Menges, Aurea Pernell, Ida Handel. Two French fiddlers, Jeanette Niveau and René Chimay. Two Hungarian rhapsodizers, Yeli Daranyi, Steffi Geyer, and Italian immortal Valentina Crespi. We'll cover a lot of ground in this international survey, so let's pack up our bags and get going. Violinist Isolde Menges was born in Sussex, England in 1893 and died in 1976. She studied under Leopold Auer and Carl Flesch and toured Europe, Canada, and the United States. She also played in Queen's Hall, Aeolian Hall, and Wigmore Hall. Born in St. Mary's Platte, Kent, Aurea Pernell was destined for fame. She was born in 1906 and lived until 1993. We believe she was the first female violin student to attend the Conservatoire de Paris, where she was formally trained. Beyond her touring career as a soloist, she was active in chamber music, establishing a string quartet at Bennington College, where she worked for over 20 years. After she retired, she played concertos with John Elliott Gardner and Sir Colin Davis at the proms. She also taught and played solos in chamber music with Joyce Rathbone, Andrei Tchaikovsky, and Sir William Glock for five summers at the summer school at Dartington, Devon. No matter where she performed, audiences loved her. Next up, British violinist Ida Hendel, who was born in 1928 in Poland. Hendel began playing violin at age four, studying under Mieczysław Michalowicz, Karl Flesch, and George Inesco. She performed widely, including the Warsaw Conservatory, Auschwitz, and the Proms, earning the title of Grand Dame of the Violin. Among her many accolades, the gold medal at the Warsaw Conservatory in 1933 and the Polish Prize of 1935 at the first Wieniawski competition in Warsaw. One of the few women violinists to pen her own story, she offered the world Women with Violin in 1970. From Rurki, India, there was May Harrison, who lived from 1890 to 1959 and studied under Leopold Auer. Hailing from Italy, violinist Valentina Crespi delighted audiences in the United States, Europe, and Canada with her great spirit. She played with a deep richness that was a rarity among most violinists, and the critics marveled at her grace and brilliance. She made a splash in Ottawa in 1915 and toured the USA in the mid-1920s. Surely the 1920s was an extraordinary time for women Hungarian Steffi Geyer, who lived from 1888 to 1956, was an extraordinary violinist of these extraordinary times. She was known for her noble, fiery playing. 
Her love life was equally extraordinary, but not always happy. She lost her first husband to the great flu epidemic that broke out after the First World War. Steffi began playing when she was three years old. Her most famous teacher was Hubai at the Budapest Conservatory. Pianist Bella Bartok also attended and fell in love with Steffi, but she didn't return his feelings. He wrote his first concerto for her and gave it to her, but she never played it. Instead, keeping it locked up with letters he had written to her. It wasn't until after Geyer's death in 1956 that the concerto was found, and Hans Heinz Schneeberger gave the world premiere of it on May 30, 1958, in Basel. Later in her life, she'd received a second concerto. Otmar Schock had also fallen in love with her and written her one. Geyer had more than 100 performances, primarily in Scandinavia, from 1922 to 1923, delighting audiences and critics alike. She also recorded during the 1930s, leaving a lasting legacy. As if this weren't enough, she also taught at the conservatory in Zurich. Before Russia became the Soviet Union and the Cold War era began, many Russian violinists appeared to great acclaim on the American stage. Some of these names may still be familiar to today's ears. Ephraim Zimbalist, director of the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia and father of the famed American actor Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Ukrainian Misha Elman, grandson of a Kletzmer folk musician who also moved to the United States and became a naturalized citizen. And from Odessa, David Oistrakh, who stayed in Russia and was perhaps the most famous of these fabulous violinists all male, all Jewish, from the era. So it stands to reason that there would be at least a few women of note to be found if we look for them. Although they weren't able to achieve nearly the fame of their male compatriots, we were able to find a few who could perhaps be hailed as their rivals. Chronologically, we have violinist Lea Lubschutz, the earliest we know to have performed in Carnegie Hall, Born in 1885 in Odessa, she lived until 1965. Frances Berkova, who lived from 1899 to 1982 and who studied with both Leopold Auer and Karl Flesch, perfecting her formidable technique. Natalie Boschko was a charming and lovely violinist. Born in 1893, she grew up playing the violin and later studied with both Auer and Itzai, she lived a long, full life, performing and teaching until 1990. In Hong Kong, she was hailed as a tower of strength. In Japan, her performance was called magnificent. In New York, the Herald Tribune raved, lovely tone, good technique, charm, and brilliance. Perhaps most famous among her Russian sisters was Cecilia Hansen. Born in 1897 in Stanisa Kamenskaya, Russia, she lived until 1989. Cecilia Hansen's life was also affected by the war, both great wars, in fact, of the 20th century. Although not American by birth, she was beloved by the American public. She grew up in Russia, where her father was her first violin teacher. She later studied at the St. Petersburg Conservatory under Leopold Auer as one of Auer's favorite students. The New York Times hailed her as peer of the Auer clan, and the Chicago Herald Examiner called her the sensation of the concert season 
and the Syracuse Journal went so far as to hail her as the greatest woman violinist of her age in 1924. Her plans for touring widely were delayed because of World War I, but she was eventually able to start a solo career, bringing her singing melodious sounds to countries all around the world, Scandinavia, Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and the United States. Last, but by no means least, we have Margaret Pardee, born in 1920 in Valdosta, Georgia. She was formally trained at Juilliard and studied under Ivan Galamian, Louis Persinger, Sasha Jacobson, and Albert Spaulding. Yes, the same Spaulding family as the sports family fortune. Having wealth is a good way to afford the time it takes to become a great violinist. Pardee still teaches at Juilliard and has also taught at the Meadowmount School of Music. She plays with great style and spirit and inspires all who meet her. Even though her performances garnered high praise, as this from the Washington Evening Star, Miss Pardee is uncommonly gifted with an innate understanding of music that cannot be taught. She plays with style, color, and spirit. Even so, teaching, fostering young musicians was always her passion. Over her lifetime, she donated 30 instruments to Juilliard, violins, violas, and bows. A 1771 Guadagnini violin, a Galliano violin, circa 1845, and a rare 1810 Cerruti half-size violin. Students are very fortunate to have the experience of playing these great instruments. Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History, a presentation of Elfenworks Productions Beyond Film and Music, will return after this brief message. Hi, I'm Seema Shams, Chief Development Officer at the Carter Center, where we're waging peace, fighting disease, building hope. Did you know that you can be a part of advancing the lives of women and their families worldwide? Find out more at www.cartercenter.org. That's www.cartercenter.org. Now we return to Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Nearby Russia, we find Hungary, later annexed as part of the Soviet Union. Violinist Yeli Daranyi was born in 1895 in Budapest, Hungary, and died in 1966. She studied under Hubai and Bartok and was formally trained at the Budapest Conservatory. In the United States, her venues included Symphony Hall in Boston, she also toured England and Spain. She was a soloist and a chamber musician and often played with the pianist Myra Hess. The London Morning Post raved that the ensemble had a unique quality and their recital left the impression of being a carefully wrought and beautifully phrased dialogue. The London Evening Star added, attractive as these fine musicians are as soloists, they are quite fascinating when they join forces. Yeli Daranyi was the grandniece of the famous violinist Joseph Joachim, and, as the New York World pointed out, it showed. He wrote that the grandniece of the great Joachim uses much the same method attributed to him. She is an artist to her fingertips. The tone that slips and glides from her deft bow is keen but never shrill, with a low legato like the murmuring of an October forest. 
From the critics, we know a bit about her repertoire as well. The New York Telegram tells us of Ravel, Mozart, and Bach. Her rendering of Ravel's Sigan, a work written especially for and first played by her, that was whirlwind and conflagration. For charm, brilliance, musicianship, and temperament combined, she has few equals. Ravel, Mozart, Bach, wonderful. But it was her role in bringing back Robert Schumann's Lost Concerto that really was a command performance. Consider this strange tale, seances, Nazis, and a lost concerto. Schumann wrote the concerto in 1853 for Joachim. Schumann was depressed when he wrote the piece and committed suicide a year later. Joachim thought that the concerto was too morbid, so he gave it to the Berlin State Library and he didn't want it played until 100 years after Schumann's death. According to her account, she didn't know of this concerto until she was visited by Schumann during a seance in 1933, and he asked her to find it and give it its first performance. Joachim also appeared to her, she said, and told her to look in the Berlin Library. Yehudi Menuhin got the manuscript first, though, and wanted to perform it in San Francisco. Menuhin, though, was Jewish, and the German Nazi government would have none of that. They made the excuse that they wanted the premiere to occur in Germany. So George Kuhlenkopf debuted the concerto. She did end up performing it in London, but her performance wasn't as much of a success as Kuhlenkopf's had been. The French had a particular passion for the violin. Parisian-born Jeanette Niveau, who lived between 1919 and 1949, studied at the Conservatory in Paris and made a splash in Europe and Carnegie Hall, playing both a Stradivarius and a Guadagnini violin, but not both at once, of course. Among her famous teachers, with apologies for pronunciation, were Jules Boucherie, Nadia Boulanger, Lynn Talouel, and Georges Enesco and Carl Flesch. Consider Renée Chimay. She gained prominence on the American stage with a distinctive style and tone. Chimay was known as the French Chrysler, and this is high praise. Consider the report from the London Daily Telegraph, who wrote, Chrysler himself could scarcely have given a critical audience more genuine pleasure. The Dublin Irish Independent agreed, writing, the greatest treat we have had in the music of the masters perhaps since Chrysler visited us. After graduating from conservatory and before embarking on her solo career, she had played for a time in Cologne's orchestra, the only orchestra in Paris that admitted women at the time. During her performing career, she toured the United States, Canada, Mexico, Japan, China, and England, 200 cities in all. Chimay is known to have at least on one occasion performed her own arrangement of a work for violin, the first weekend of December in 1927, she performed a Tarina suite at the Town Hall in New York, and the program was hailed in this way by the New York Herald Tribune. Chimay glorifies violin works. Truly, Chimay was a trailblazer. That's all for now. We look forward to seeing you for our next installment. Tune in next time when Ribbons and Bows wraps it up with the perfect ribbon, cool connections, and fabulous firsts. Until then, keep a song in your heart and an extra set of strings, spread hope, and live life on the up -bow.
This episode features excerpts from works in the public domain and copyrighted recordings of Maud Powell and Jeanette Nouveau that were used with permission from the copyright holders. For details, including full legal notice, visit elfinworksproductions.com. Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History has been a presentation of Elfinworks Productions beyond film and music. Writer-producer-director Lauren Spieth, research and assistant producer Devin Philo, technical consultant Christopher Spieth, narrated by Lauren Spieth, audio engineer Josh Workman. Learn about all our products, including this one, available as an audiobook release, and find more information and detailed histories online now at www.elfinworksproductions.com. We thank you for your patronage and partnership as we strive to tell the stories that matter. Copyright 2018, Elfinworks Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.